You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. So today we're joined by Kathleen Phillips. So Kathleen is the head of uh, strategic partnerships or business development, partnership developments um, at Digital River, a really cool company that we'll have an opportunity to, to learn about. Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for uh, joining us today and providing some of your insights, sharing some of your insights with us. Thanks, Mark. It's a, it's a true pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So Kathleen, if you wouldn't mind, Digital River, man, I, I honestly hadn't heard about the company until you and I met uh, a while back. Um, what a really cool company, especially it seems now with just yeah. truly the globalization of the economy. It seems like literally almost every day I find myself having a conversation with, uh, with a colleague or somebody that I'm collaborating with from the other hemisphere, literally. Our world is becoming so much smaller and the, the, the solutions that you guys provide, it's just so interesting. And I think it just seems like it is so needed. Can you share with us a little bit of what Digital River does? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. So Digital River is really one of the global leaders and we help brands expand into new global markets through their e-commerce websites. So the sexiest part of a brand's website is the experience layer and how the products are merchandising and the product on pricing and promotions. But what happens once the customer puts their selection into the shopping cart is not very sexy. And that's where we come in. So what Digital River does is once that customer puts that purchase and hits the submit button, then what that brand would have to do is they have to literally calculate tax for the products and services in the shopping cart. They have to get the payment authorized. They need to make sure that they invoke all of their fraud artificial intelligence so that they reduce their fraudulent transactions on their e-commerce website. And then they have to be compliant with any regulatory um, compliance out there. And then lastly, they have to remit tax on behalf of, of that particular sale. And so in the United States alone, there are over 12,000 tax jurisdictions and over 100,000 different tax codes, and they are changing annually. So it can be daunting for a brand to have to have that internal knowledge and be able to stay up on those tax regulations alone. Once they want to go global, the EU alone has 28 different countries, and the tax value-added tax ranges from anywhere from 17 to 27%. So tax calculate is just calculations is just one of the one of the things we do, but we because we have what we call a super acquirer network, which means we work with 17 of the most powerful payment gateways all over the world. We can ensure that we can increase the authorization rates of that particular brand's e-commerce purchases by anywhere from eight to 15 percent, depending on where they're selling in the world. We know that in Germany, if you're in Frankfurt and it's between five o'clock and 12 o'clock at night on Friday, we're gonna get the highest authorization rates with this particular payment gateway. And guess what? If it doesn't authorize, then we immediately snap our fingers and go to another one. So we help brands increase the revenue through our super acquire network from a payment gate gateway perspective. And then there's all the regulatory um, compliance, right? It's important. There's so much um, compliance right now around data privacy. And so we take care of that for all of our brands. 
We literally, once that shopper hits the submit button, we take flash title ownership of that purchase, which means that all of the risk um, and all of the tax remittance and calculations is all put back on Digital River. So if anything would ever happen, we would be the company that would be held liable and never our brands. So we really shield our brands um, from that risk. And if you think about if a brand could certainly stitch all of those relationships together, it would be anywhere between three and eight different companies that they'd have to work with, depending on how many different parts of the world they're selling their products or services into. Um, but with us, it's just one, it's the easy button. You hit the easy button and we literally take brands into over 200 global countries in weeks versus months. And if they would do it on their own, sometimes it would take up to a, a year or so. So we work with some of the um, coolest brands in the world. We work with companies like Adobe and Cisco and Jabra, uh, Fitbit, Lenovo, Logitech, and Intel, just to name a few. Um, so yes, what we do for our, our brands is we help bring them into other geographic territories very quickly so that they, they can drastically increase their revenue. I love that. Providing a, a real solution for, for companies and making the easy button as big as possible. Let, let companies focus on what they're good at. And uh, we run an e-commerce platform and, and I can promise you that taxes is probably not our strong suit. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathleen, I always love to hear and love to have uh, people share how they got to this seat of being a, a professional partnerships person. Would you mind just sharing with us real quick, just kind of how you went through your career and then how you landed? What was it that really interested you, I guess, to get into and to stay in partnerships and to, to kind of dedicate your career to this profession? I got a computer science engineering degree when I was in college. And oh my goodness, Mark, I couldn't write a line of code to save my life when the other students would throw their uh, code in the garbage can when they're trying to work out their programs, I'd be digging in the garbage can trying to get mine to work. But I love technology. And so my first couple of jobs out of college, college I worked for high-tech companies that in technical support and I ran service uh, depots. And those first couple of companies all generated their business through partnerships. And so I never ever got exposed to a direct sales force or only the competing with a partnership part of the business. I was only exposed to the only way our companies built our business and revenue. And frankly, our partners' businesses was through our partnerships. Um, I worked probably the last 25 years in high-tech companies, um, whether it's in predominantly security, some e-commerce certainly, uh, but what really, makes me so passionate about partnerships is I feel so blessed and so proud of how the companies and the organizations um, and the teams that I've worked with have been able to massively build some of our partners' businesses. I worked for a security company for about 15 years. And when I started, we were at, we were at about 40 million. We took the company to a little bit over hundred million before I left the organization. And there were, it was more than a handful of organizations that we worked with our partners all over the globe that because of the partner framework that we put together, they were millionaires. They, they, a lot of these companies, um, people had the golden ticket, they sold their businesses, they retired early. And I'll never forget sitting down with a couple of those um, CEOs and presidents of those companies and literally them you know, across the table saying, 
you know, if it wasn't for your Fargo Solutions provider program, your partner framework, we would have never grown our business this fast. And so just, just it's exhilarating to be a part of somebody else's success. Yeah, that is so awesome. Well, Kathleen, so you've been indoctrinated to the partnernomics methodology. So this is going to be a great conversation to just kind of walk through some, some various components of our methodology. But in general, I'd love for you to just talk, if you would, for a couple of minutes about the, the operations of partnerships. So kind of from that, from that operations, we talk about it being a, um, an operating system, specifically the strategic partner leadership model. But without digging into any uh, element in particular, just generally speaking, can you talk to us about the importance of partnership management and operationalizing partnerships and, and the value that that brings to getting results? I think there's two things that come to mind immediately. And the first one is scalability, right? So you have to be able to have a partner framework that scales within the organization, not just within the partner team, but within, within the entire organization. Um, the second piece I think is um, it's accountability and it's driving the results that you and your partner have agreed upon, right? So if we're not on the same page, we're likely gonna disappoint one or the other party. But I think the two biggest pieces are have a scalable framework that everybody understands, you know, the first 30 days, here's the expectations. Here's what you can expect from us. Here's what we're going to expect from you. Here's 90 days and up to the first year. And as you know, Mark, um, partners are not all created the same. So that framework and that operational scalability has to be built on you know, the tiering of a partner framework also, so that you know your top tier partners, here's the investments, the training, and the resources from the organization that are going to be needed to ensure their success, um, just as well as a partner that's maybe more, um, you know, more of a standard partner for your organization. Uh, and the piece is that every part of the organization needs to understand where they play and when they play. And I think the biggest area where companies fail with their partnerships is they do a good job recruiting um, and sometimes even enabling, but they're not really activating those partnerships. So they're not really getting them to revenue, right? At the end of the day, a partner wants to work with a company that's gonna drive their revenue, drive, increase their profitability. And that's the exact same thing that we want um, as companies that are looking for partners. Kathleen, I'd love for you to talk about the importance of getting internal alignment and just getting really clear on, on a strategy internally, kind of up and down the ladder and the importance of making that kind of be job one and then kind of job two, step two is now we're ready to go out and, and work with partners. And, and by doing this approach, we're significantly going to increase our likelihood of success. What kind of advice would you share to, to executives or maybe folks that are standing up a partnership program for the first time of the importance of kind of starting internally before you go externally? Oh my gosh, Mark, that is the $100 million question. Uh, you, nobody should ever take a job if you are a partnership, um, that's your passion, um, within an organization that the executive team is not aligned and bought into the partnership. That's, that's, that's table stakes. You have to have that. Because not only do you need their support from you know, shifting uh, the culture, because culture will shift inside the organization when you 
bring in partnerships as part of that element to drive and expand your revenue, but the resources that it's gonna take and the time and setting expectations. And then you have to bring in professionals that have experience in successfully executing partnerships. You cannot walk into an organization and the executive team is bought off on the partnership philosophy and they're bought off on, yes, we're gonna to have to um, add additional resource. Yes, we're going to have to add additional human talent. Yes, we're gonna to have to you know, uh, make changes in other parts of the organization. And then you start working inside the, the other parts of the organization and they don't understand what a partnership is. So key is not only having that buy-in, but bringing in enough talent. I'm not saying throw out all of the existing talent and bring in all partnership talent, but bring in enough talent where you can infuse and you can educate. One of the coolest things that we did at Digital River and our company is um, a little similar to what I'm, uh, the framework that I'm sharing with you, which is complete executive buy-in um, from the resources to the, the uh, extra dollars that we asked for to fund you know, different things that we knew we had to do to accelerate our partnership campaigns and our partnership uh, success. We, we, uh, we brought in the right people, we funded it, and we created um, these ecosystem teams. And so we got our product team, we have our channel marketing team, we have our strategic marketing team, we have our sales team, we have our partner team, and then we have our solutions architects. And those teams are all assigned to what I'm gonna call an ecosystem. So at Digital River, an ecosystem is, uh, we plug into e-commerce back at our front ends like Salesforce or Magento or Vtex or SAP. So we have ecosystems built around Salesforce and every single functional person in that weekly ecosystem meeting talks about what they're doing to drive partnerships. It may be developing software in between the connective tissue between the Salesforce platform and the Digital River backend platform. It may be driving co-marketing campaigns with some of our systems integrators. But what we've done and what we saw was that even though the vast majority of the people in those, uh, e those partnership ecosystems didn't have partnership uh, experience, they came to um, understand it and really embrace it very quickly versus the people that weren't part of those ecosystems. So now part of our opportunity at Digital River is to figure out how do we expand those ecosystems and get even more of the company really um, not necessarily on board, but um, accelerate their learnings around what they need to do to help support our partnership success. Kathleen, I'd like to go back to something that you had mentioned um, a couple minutes ago whenever we were chatting, and that is, you know, not all partners are created equal. And we say that whenever we're talking about partnerships, you know, partnerships fall on this continuum between transactional on one side and highly strategic on the other. Um, I'd like for you to share kind of in your, in your own words and using your own experience, uh, talk us through what that means and maybe even uh, at Digital River or maybe some other organizations that you are with, what is the importance of identifying where on that continuum a particular partner is and then how do we treat them different? What does it mean to truly be a strategic partner? I, I say that that's one of the most overused words in business probably, strategic and partnering. <laughs> What, what does it mean to be a strategic partner? Most organizations don't have just one widget that they're selling, right? Most organizations have, you know, sometimes it's a good, better, best. Sometimes it's a better, best. 
And so I worked for a company that we had a better best uh, solutions platforms. We, and we sold security printers. And after we had launched our best uh, platform, we realized real quickly that we had been selling to distributors and value-added resellers and to um, dealers and to systems integrators, all really at the same kind of pricing structure, discount structure, marketing support, training. And what we realized real quickly were the companies that were surrounding themselves in with other manufacturers and software providers that complement just the fastest with us. And what we found out was that this is about the time when the internet started to be very um, dominant in business to business because our product was traditionally sold. Consumers weren't buying security printers to print plastic card credentials. It was, it was businesses. And we found that the internet once um, some of our partners started selling over the internet, it drastically um, impacted some of the margins that our other partners that were doing more sophisticated uh, installations and implementations. So an, an internet sale might be somebody's gonna put a printer into a shopping cart and then buy some of the ribbons and cards and then they're gonna go out and they're maybe gonna do a loyalty program for a small coffee shop. The partners that we found were growing the fastest and were the most valuable to us because of the market knowledge that they shared with us were the companies that were going into a corporation and they were offering them a time and attendance system on that plastic credential, uh, access to uh, parking facilities, access to buildings, access to rooms, employee contractor identification, visitor management. Um, it could be access to their uh, vending machines, to their copiers, they were much more sophisticated. So that plastic card, that plastic card credential became very valuable to that company because of all the different facets that it protected their employees. It protected um, access to, uh, to, you know, to, to company laptops through logical access. It made sure that the right people were in the building at the right time. And so we found that companies that were taking our printer and putting it in the middle of that and had to bolt on all these different software packages. They were selling access control systems and they were selling time and attendance systems. And the investment that they made in their businesses that focused around uh, the circle, circling our printer um, were far more beneficial to us than somebody that was selling some, uh, a printer over the website uh, and somebody just put it in the shopping cart. Um, and the other piece, um, so you talk about standard versus, you know, kind of premier and ours better, better, better versus best. And so we realized real quickly that we had to tier our partner program so that we would identify the companies that were providing these additional services to the market and to their customers and bring in our brand along with them. And, and don't kid yourself by any means, manufacturers, when we didn't um, we did a survey um, in regards to, you know, what printer did the, did the corporate, was a corporation using, and it was unaided brand awareness. We, so we didn't put, you know, here's the checklist. Over 70% of the time, the end customer who was using our printer, they would put the name of the, the, the dealer or the value-added reseller that they bought it from. So that's where the connection was. So we knew that 
our ability to grow our business the fastest was to identify these top tier companies and then make it very valuable for them to partner with us. So the things that the things we did were we did we we put into place what they call wholesale minimized advertised price. We put into place minimized advertised price, which you you can't um, you know force a, a, a company to sell your product at any particular price. But what you can do is you can help protect their margins by not allowing them to advertise your product below a certain percentage off of um, uh, MSRP. So that was extremely valuable. So it helped protect our partners' margins. We also put in a, um, a third party that um, when we got leads in, and we did a lot of market uh, generation for our partners, but we qualified those leads for our top tier partners. And so they, the two biggest things that they got from us, and I'll talk about a couple of the other things is, one is they got more qualified leads, which guess what, turned into more business for them. And then two, the profitability was better on our, when they were selling our printer versus some of the other competitors. And they all sold our competitors' products too. They were never exclusive with us, but they made more money. You know, we spent more training dollars with them. Um, we spent more dollars um, co-marketing with them. Um, you know, it, we, we just made a bigger investment. We, we spent more time with our executive team, spending time with their CEOs and their presidents. And then we got deep inside of their organization. So it wasn't just a exec to exec or salesperson to salesperson or uh, partnership to, uh, to sales team. No, I mean, we knew who their shipping people were. We understood, we understood their services. We under, worked with their technical support team. So we really treated them like an extension um, of our organization. Now, our other partners are still really important to us too. And, you know, 20% of our partners were in our premier uh, tier program, our Fargo Solution Provider Program, and then 80% were not. Those 20% drove, you know, roughly 80% of, of the business for us, but it was still important for us to make sure that we had those other, other companies that we were you know, hopefully bringing you know, able to bring up to the premier part of our partnership program. And so we we did do co-op marketing with them. We sent them leads. Um, we trained them, uh, you know, so we treated them like an extension of our family also, but they just didn't get as many, there wasn't, the, the investment wasn't as high. So it just says we segment our customers, or we should, uh, we also segment our partners. And we make sure that we align our resources to the ones that's going to help us grow our business. Um, and, and just frankly, just with organizations that we are better aligned with where we can provide more value to them. So I love that. And I wish more companies were, were that sophisticated or at least that diligent about really looking at their span of partners and uh, to be able to, to manage and lead them appropriately. Kathleen, I'd like to kind of shift gears a little bit and just talk about strategies, you know, just kind of in general, talking about partnering strategies and you know, the importance, whether it's a brand new part, partnering initiative, whether it's sales related or it's technology or it's co-marketing, kind of a branding relationship. But could you just share some insights with us in general about strategy, developing that strategy and, and kind of starting with that being first? Well, we got to start with a plan and then we're later going to go execute the plan. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, we just have, um, over the last two years at Digital River, 
we've really had a huge focus on our technology partnership strategies. So without a commerce platform like a Salesforce or SAP, Magento, VTEX, our product doesn't work. It doesn't function. We have to have connective tissue into one of those front end parts of the e-commerce system. So one of the first things when I was brought onto the company um, I was tasked with was basically going out and creating technology partnerships with all of these e-commerce companies. Um, in many instances, that involved us uh, being able to articulate the value that we would bring to them, not the value that they would bring to us, but the value that we, we would bring to them so we could get to be invited into their partner community. And in some of those instances, we were not able to write software code without their assistance. So there are some open community platforms where anybody can opt in as a quote unquote partner because there's uh, the, the, the source the code is open source, but in many of the instances it was not. And so we had to convince them that we brought value to their technology partnerships. That's number one. Number two is, so that was really, you know, a way that we we looked very um, strategically at those different commerce platforms and said, you know, which ones are we going to place our big bets on? Because it was an investment to build a connection into these different commerce platforms, and then to get start to build your brand awareness inside of their their community, right? Their sales community and their customer success community. Um, in regards to how are there other ways that other than the, the building of the, um, the technology into these commerce platforms, you know, what were the other ways that were really important for us to be able to grow our business? And we realized real quickly, it was really more um, uh, marketing and sales uh, partnerships with systems integrators. So these systems integrators are seen as consultants that come in to uh, talk with a you know, prospect, um, understand, you know, some of the you know, challenges that they're facing, you know, where do they want to go with their roadmap? And then they will pull together you know, multiple different solutions. It might be you know, back-end payments and risk from Digital River. It may be um, a, a new subscriptions uh, system like uh, Chargeify. And so those companies became very critical to us being able to be, to be even more amplified and being relevant inside of those, uh, those e-commerce system relationships that we had with the sales forces, the Magentos, the SAPs, and VTEXs of the world. So Kathleen, after we have a strategy and we kind of have this profile of, of companies that we think would be a good fit as partners, now we need to go out and find those partners. What are some success practices that, that you followed in your career when it comes to identifying good partners or good potential partners? What we did at Digital River was we basically looked at um, all the companies that were, the, were, were in alignment with the vertical markets that we served in the geographic territories that we sold into. And then we looked at, you know, are they the market leader? Um, are they somebody that is uh, not the market leader today, but is their business is growing very, very fast? And so we tried to align ourselves in the way that, and we had a really long list um, a list much longer than we had the resources from a human capital perspective or from a resource perspective monetary to be able to support these integrations into. 
And so we really tried to align it with the best fit for where we were today and where we're going in the future. And then where those market leaders were today from an e-commerce perspective and then the up and comers. So that's what we did with the, with the technology partner uh, plat technology platform partners. And with the systems integrators, it was a little bit more complicated because yes, we absolutely looked at vertical market fit. We looked at the geographic um, territories and countries that we were having the most success in. And then frankly, the ones that we wanted to expand into. Um, but we also looked at the way that the customer wanted to buy and the size of the customer. So we predominantly deal with enterprise and mid-market customers. And there are companies, brands, uh, that when they choose that systems integrator who they're going to bring in to do the consulting to help them decide, you know, what are the next um, investments they need to make in their e-commerce website, they may want somebody that only focuses on Salesforce because they are Salesforce. They have got their CRM system. They're using you know, their Slack channel. They're using a lot of Salesforce products. There are other companies that only want to work with uh, systems integrators that are focused on the type of vertical market that they're in. So lifestyle brands. We have a great um, partner called Pixel Media, and they mostly only focus on lifestyle brands. And so if you're a lifestyle brand and you want to work with a systems integrator, that's done it a lot of times, then you're going to likely look at a company like Pixel Media. So we had to really look at, you know, what were the ecosystems we were serving and who were the companies and the systems integrators that were superstars inside of those eco ecosystems? We looked at where did they play geographically? And then we looked at really kind of what is the brand's preference? So if you're a great big brand and you can afford, um, you know, Deloitte's and, uh, Accenture's of the world, and that's who you want to work with because that's been your system integrator for things all across your entire company campus, um, then we've got a partnership with those companies. Um, we found that a lot of our success has been kind of the companies in the middle, um, the companies that are serving uh, anywhere from, you know, $10 million worth of e-commerce sales up to about $100 million of e-commerce sales. And so when we went out and really did our research, we targeted, okay, do we've got the big boxes checked for the Deloitte's and the Accenture's of the world, and then kind of that massive mid-market. And then we looked at some of the more smaller boutique where it was a particular vertical market where there would be a lot of energy around wanting to work with a company that had a lot of success and deep expertise in that vertical market. So Kathleen, the, the subject of negotiating or bargaining agreements is always really interesting. And so many times we, we have this vision of a dark room and spotlights, you know, being, being uh, casted and people across the, the table from each other. Love to just jump into your brain for a minute. And as you've, you know, negotiate all these deals throughout your career, what's, what's the mindset that you take as you're kind of going deeper into this negotiation, this bargaining phase of the partnering process and, and also as you develop your own employees and teams for negotiating, what are some of those success practices that you'd share with others? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great question, Mark. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, the most important, um, you know, top tier negotiation advice is it has to be a win-win, right? And so if I'm giving more or I'm getting more, I'm likely not going to have, one of the parties is gonna have expectations that aren't met. And I think what companies really need to do, and I think very few of them do this, is they, they need to intimately understand how does that 
partnership that you're trying to put together a deal with, how do they make money? How do they compensate their sales team? How do they make decisions on where they're putting their next resource dollars from a strategy and a roadmap perspective? If I can understand that, and I can understand why something of value that may not be valuable to you know the last three deals I did is critically valuable to that organization. So I think the biggest thing, Mark, is understanding how that company makes money. You know, how does that sale, how does the sales organization, the customer success organization, how are they compensated? And how do we align ourselves with a contract that ensures their success? And then of course we want them to reciprocate so that you know we're successful too. We want it to be a win-win. But I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I think that's the biggest piece that you know, really, we've focused um, a lot on at Digital River, which is every single one of the technology platforms that we work with and every single one of the systems integrators, they all have a little bit different way of they go to market, they compensate their teams and how they really make money. And so we've had to be more nimble and flexible in regards to our negotiations. The big commerce players, a lot of times, you know, you, you're uh, being a smaller company, you know, we're really at, our negotiating power isn't super high. But with some of the smaller um, commerce players and with most of our systems integrators, we really took a win-win approach to try to really understand, you know, how they made money, how they paid their people. And then we tried to make sure that they really understood, you know, how do we make money too? So that they weren't thinking, oh, you know, this is what digital, how digital river makes money. And it, it made no sense because it wasn't the way that, you know, we generated revenue. Yeah. So Kathleen, you get the deal signed. You have a new partner. Now it's time to start to operationalize that partnership and, and to make it make the visions that we had together, make that come to fruition. What is kind of the first step? What's, what's the things that, that people need to do to make sure that they get the relationships off to, to a good start? Yeah, I think the, the most important piece is to have a, what I call a one plus one equals 10, which is that Digital River and our partner understands the joint value proposition that we bring to the market, to their prospects, to our prospects, to their customers, to our customers. That's number one. So if there is not a clear understanding that one plus one or one plus two doesn't equal 10, then you're probably going to struggle. Um, you're not going to have the same engagement to be able to accelerate that partner growth. So that's number one. And not only does the partner team have to understand that, but everybody we're influencing inside of that organization from the CEO all the way down to the, the implementation team that is going to go out and do the, the integrate our two, plat our two platforms together. So I think the biggest piece is the, the joint value prop is important. And then frankly, um, you know, this, the, the connecting of who inside of that organization is going to be the go-to for Digital River to mutually grow our business. In some companies, it's going to be the sales team. In other companies, it's going to be client success. And so you can't just peanut butter the relationship of, I'm always going to go have a fantastic relationship with the chief, chief revenue officer. It may not be the chief revenue officer. It may be the person that does all of the you know, client implementations. That's our key to success in that particular partnership. So it's understanding you know, where is our entry point and how do we accelerate our ability to drive our collective business through that entry point. And they, need, and they frankly need to know the same thing. 
Um, I think the other pieces of it are, you know, marketing. There has to be um, an agreement that we're going to go to the market together, right? And whether that's doing blogs or podcasts or they're on panels or we do events together, but we have to show up together. Um, it's an investment that shows the the shows our organization, shows our partners' organization, and then sh frankly shows their clients, their prospects in the market that we're in this to win together. So I think it's simple. I think there's you know four or five things that are really important. I don't think it's ten. Uh, I think if we get these long lists of you know 15 different items, uh, everything gets minimized, and we don't really focus on the key things. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Kathleen, one last question before we let you go. I'm going to ask you to speak to your 25-year-old self. If you could speak to your 25-year-old self, what kind of advice would you give to her? That is, okay, that's a tough one, Mark. Oh, gosh, I have to think what I was doing when I was 25. Okay, so I know what I was doing when I was 25. Okay, so I was working for a high-tech company, and I'd started out running their tech support department, or started as a tech support uh, representative, and I ran a small uh, corporate tech support group. And then I went in, and I actually would be in the lab, and when the tech support team couldn't figure out how to fix the customer's problem, then our team was able to do all the fun stuff and try to figure out how do we, how do we break stuff so that we, can, we know how we can fix it for our, for our customers. And then I did a little stint in our research and development. Um, and finally, when I was 25, I ended up at in technical marketing. And I got the chance to go into sales at that point. And I really wish I would have taken the chance. Um, if I look back, uh, you know, I was young and I didn't have the confidence that if I failed, I wouldn't be able to recover from that failure. And so, wow. I mean, I think of all the times that I have failed and those have been some of my most important learnings to be able to jettison me to the next part of my career. So I would say, take chances. Um, you're always gonna recover. What great advice. Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for, uh, for sharing some of your insights with us. And it will be fun to watch you and Digital River as you continue to, to build your career and, and uh, help Digital River grow. Thanks, Mark. It's been, it's been a true pleasure. Um, I so enjoy um, Partneronomics. I enjoy everything that you're bringing to the partner community. Keep it coming. I love these podcasts. I love walking on the lake uh, or around the block and listening to some piece of advice that I never thought of, right? I, you think you know so much after being in partnerships for so long, but I always learned something from these podcasts. So kudos to you and to your team. Oh, thank you. And now you get to share. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Mark. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.